Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Thanks to Harvest Host for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Harvest Host provides a cost-free opportunity for small businesses and farms to increase revenue simply by inviting self-contained RV members to stay one night on their property. In return, members patronize or donate to the business. Well-established hosts are reporting on an average of 15000 in annual additional revenue. For more information on how you can become a host or a member, contact Harvest Hosts today at harvesthosts.com. Hey, Thriving Farmers. Today, my guest is Amy Fuel, who is the visionary behind Homesteaders of America. As a published author, herbalist, and modern-day milkmaid, Amy nurtures her passion for self-sufficiency on her family's farm in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, all while inspiring a huge community of fellow homesteaders along the way. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So give us a little bit of a background of what got you into homesteading. Have you always homesteaded? Yeah, no. So I grew up um, around my grandparents' farm, but I I would say I didn't really pay ma- that much attention growing up. I probably should uh-huh. have paid more attention. Um, my dad kept a large garden, um, but other than that, homesteading wasn't really in my DNA necessarily. Um, it wasn't until 20, I guess it was when our um, oldest son, he was diagnosed with childhood asthma at a year old. Mm. Um, and so that would have been around 2009, 2010. Nope. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that would have been 2000. Okay. Yeah, 2009. Um, I get my years mixed up here. Um, and so we started going down the path of herbalism and raw milk and um, just eating a better diet to help him with that because I didn't really like all the medicine he was on. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of started us down our journey of homesteading to where we are now. Gotcha. And so what were the first stages of that for you? What was kind of like the first changes you made? So herbalism was the first change. We we really didn't go to the doctor a lot, but I started studying herbalism more, which led us into food. So we got some chickens. Um, we started growing a small garden. At the time, we only lived on a half acre. And I was like, there's nothing I can do on a half acre. But I proved that thought wrong time and time again. We ended up growing an abundance uh-huh. of food on a half acre. That, that led us into meat rabbits and quail and all kinds of other things um, that you can grow on a small homestead. And then from there, a couple of years ago, we actually bought the property that we're on now, uh-huh. which is almost six acres. And now we have milk cows and uh, huge gardens. Now we have multiple large gardens. Uh-huh. We're getting ready to put up a high tunnel. And so it's just grown over the last, you know, 15 years. Gotcha. Okay. So then along that journey, what do you say was the biggest aha moments? Um, I think when we started seeing a difference in our son's health, Mm. um, even though he's still, even as a teenager now, he still doesn't like good food, of course. (laughs) But um, we started seeing that kind of change for him. And Uh we saw a change in ourselves. I had severe eczema, which started going away as we started eating, you know, better food. And then I think really what happened was we went through the recession um, in 2008. That was when it really hit us hard, even like right Mm. on the cusp of us trying to homestead. Um, And we realized that we didn't want to live that way anymore. We didn't want to be in car payments. We didn't want to 
be dependent on a credit card when the economy bottomed out. And so we realized, well, what can we grow? Mm-hmm. And if this is happening now, it's going to happen again in the next 20 years. It's just it's just bound to happen again, which, of course, now right now it's happening. Right. And yes. for some locations in America. And um, and so we just made that. That was our aha moment. We don't want to live this way anymore. We want to live a more natural lifestyle. And that's we've never gone back. We've just never turned back. Mm-hmm. Back to that aspect of kids not eating. I think that's one of the things which a lot of parents, you know, as they're making these big changes, struggle with. Um, I know, like, my wife's, again, grew up homesteading, so she has that whole background, and our kids ate good from day one, but still our six-year-old, right. he is just not super picky, but somewhat picky. Um, yeah. So do you have any advice for parents with that? Have you done anything unique to try to kind of like sneak more healthy food into your diets? Yeah. So one of the best and easiest ways to do that is like through pasta sauce and pasta, you know, Mm -hmm. different sauces and stuff. We've learned that there's a lot of ways you can hide vegetables in certain food, but probably the most unique way is to just give it to them. Keep keep giving them that food and eventually their taste really change. Um, so like I can tell a difference with our oldest son, our oldest son started off with the junk food, Mm -hmm. right? We were, Mm -hmm. we processed food. We started him on that. So, you know, he was probably five when we started really diving into food and, um, it was really hard for us to break that, but just continuing to offer him food and say, okay, this is your only option. Like you have to eat it. Obviously there's some stuff that none of us like, right? Like Mm -hmm. some of us as adults, we still don't like Brussels sprouts, even though I love them. But I can say it's easier for our younger children because we started them off this way. And so their tastes are completely and totally different. Like um, last night, our four-year-old was just gladly eating broccoli at the Uh dinner table and asking for it um he likes sauerkraut like our one and a half year old she loves sauerkraut but Uh it's because that was their only option when we first started introducing food to them and so it's it's a lot harder with older kids because they know what their options are right yeah but starting them younger it's so much easier to start them on that path yeah it's last night our uh two-year-old was uh, nine on a piece of shallot and i was just like Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, yeah, it's, loves, but isn't yeah. it neat? It is. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting because uh, if you look at what the common American diet is, there's so many. The sour is, you know, sugar sour, not you know, sauerkraut sour. Right. And so again, mm-hmm. our two year old loves sauerkraut because from day one we just kept putting that in the putting that in her food. Um, and she'll even eat olives on occasion, which you know, which are kind of strong flavored as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, ours, ours will too. Our one and a half year old, we just really started introducing olives just because they were they are harder, uh-huh. and um and she loves them. She just yeah. that tartness, that vinegar. She's before I came in here, she was eating organic salt and vinegar chips, and I'm like, how? I don't even <laughs> like them. Like, how yes. are you doing that? Yes, I don't like those either. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. So so like fire cider. So that's another one. Is like I absolutely hate it. Um, my wife makes sure we take it because it's so effective for us. But mm-hmm. our three kids, like our eight-year-old will take it pretty well. The six-year-old, not so great. But the one-and-a-half-year-old, I mean, she'll take it. She'll pucker up. But then, you know, she's good to go. So, yeah, yeah it's it's fascinating what they can take um, if we start to train them properly. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You know, you started on the half acre. You started with, you know, that backyard trying to figure things out. Um, 
when did you start realizing there are other people out there that needed this information as well? So I, so I'm in Virginia and Virginia growing up and even now is still a very heavily populated farm state. I know that sounds kind of crazy for people who don't live here, but when you grow up in rural Virginia, it's just farms everywhere, mostly dairy farms and beef farms. Um, and a lot of chicken processing farms, especially where I am. Um, and so I had farmers around me, but I didn't necessarily have homesteaders around me. Like even, even my grandfather, who was a farmer until his later age, um, before passing away, he was very much that mindset of chemicals and do it the way, you know, he was taught to do it. And so it's funny cause I actually wrote, um, when I wrote my herb book, he sat down and he read the whole thing and I wrote a chicken book and he sat down and he read the whole thing. Uh-huh. And I remember him calling me and saying, wow, I never knew this stuff. You know, uh-huh. and he's in his eighties. He's yeah. like, this is crazy. I didn't know any of this. And so, um, and so what happened was in 2016, uh, we'd been home studying for a couple years. And I, at the time I worked for a media company, I've worked in magazines and newspapers mm-hmm. my entire career. And so I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And I got to the point where I could actually quit my job. And so I quit that job that July of 2016. And for a month, I just tried to be a stay at home mom. And I'm like, this is the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> And not the mom part, but like I needed something else to do. I only had one child at the time. And so, and he was getting a little bit older. And, um, and so I started realizing I had started a YouTube channel and all of my friends weren't even in this state. Like I didn't have any homesteading friends around me that I really knew of. Everyone thought I was crazy. Um, they thought, you know, like I had people tell me I was going to kill my family for giving them raw milk. I mean, stupid stuff like that. And, um, and so all of my friends, like my friend Ann lived in Washington state. My friend Janet lived in Maryland. My, you know, I've had them all over these places and I thought, you know, why not have them come to me? Because I don't travel a lot. And that's when this idea of, you know, needing community and bringing that community uh-huh. together really started taking root. And I'd, I would say it's mostly just a God thing. Like I can't, I couldn't plan an event on my own. I had no event experience. In fact, um, you know, it wasn't even on my radar at all to plan an event. But some of my friends were like, let's do this. Let's plan an event. And uh-huh. so I was able to do that. We started Homesteaders of America that September. Um, and we had our first Homesteaders of America event the following October. So October 2017 here in Virginia. And, you know, we expected like 300 people to show up. My husband was like, nobody's going to show up to this. Nobody, <laughs> you know, who's going to show up to this? And we had 1,500 people show up. We outgrew the fairgrounds mm. that we were at the very first year we were there. And, you know, it was just this, um, it was like a big family reunion. Like these are yeah. all the people we talk to. These are all the people we watch. These are all the people who are doing the things that we're doing. And we don't have that community around mm-hmm. us. And so the goal was to bring these people together and then send them back home so they could create community around them because most of us didn't have it. And over the years, that's exactly what started happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So then, and so how many of those conferences do you run a year? So normally we have one big conference in October and then some years we do littler conferences. So like some years we'll have a business conference, like the one we have coming up in April. Um, it's like just 300 to 350 people. 
at Polyface Farm where people get to learn how to be Polyface Farm or how to uh-huh. make money off of their homestead, whether they want to be like Joel Salatin or just, you know, a normal homesteader selling yeah. their extras. Um, so we'll have little events like that sometimes. It's not necessarily every year. It just depends on like what is our budget, what is our man or woman power, uh-huh. um, what's our schedule on our homesteads like, because basically everyone who works for HOA is a homesteader. And so those are just things that we take into consideration each year before we plan. Um, and then we have been having an annual women's event in November at Polyface as well. Um, so that's been really fun to have a lot of women get together. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So share with us a little bit about kind of like, so the community aspect is there too, but what types of speakers do you tend to have at the, the conferences as well? So when we first got started, most of the speak, I remember, um, I remember emailing Joel Salton. I'd never talked to him before in my life. Yeah. And I emailed him. I'm like, listen, I have no money. I have no idea if this thing's actually going to work, but I know that I want you to be our keynote speaker that first year. And I think that really like started our, our friendship, Joel and I, because he emailed me back. He's like, I don't even know who you are, but I love this. He's like, I'm going to do it whether I get paid or not. Yeah. And, um, and so at first you know, to get the word out there more, we started um, having speakers like the bigger named YouTubers uh-huh. like Justin Rhodes. And um, that year we had um, Esther Emery. I don't know if you remember her from YouTube. They were a huge YouTubing channel back then. Okay. Um, so they were off grid. And so we had bigger names like that to pull people in. Now, this is our eighth year, we've switched it up over the last couple years. We're realizing that people really don't care as much what the names are. Mm. They just want to learn about homesteading from people who know what they're talking about. And so we do have some big names. We have Joel still. His son, Daniel, is a wealth of information. We have him. We do have some other, you know, big name YouTubers just because people like seeing those people. They like meeting them and interacting with them. But then most of our speakers now now are either um, local or from somewhere in America where they just know what they're talking about and they are experts in their field whether they have a following or not doesn't matter Um, like I have I'm interviewing a guy for our podcast this afternoon who's here locally and he doesn't have a huge following he's that's not even his goal but he is an expert in pasture and soil management and so those are the things that we're seeing now is just having people come and speak that really know what they're talking about um and the other thing is like there are all kinds of other homesteading events popping up that are using the same hoa speakers and so we're like okay well let's bring in new people so it's just not the same people at all these events over and over again correct yeah 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 because it's only unless the speaker is growing as well there that's the same thing right and so that's i think that's one thing i think i've i've really enjoyed from joel is that joel's constantly changing and learning and trying new things so a lot of times i hear him in a new talk and even a talk he's done before and he's put something different in there and i'd be like oh that was Mm -hmm. interesting um so yeah as long as you have that path of growth happening yeah So, so talk to us about um you know, I think one of the things with the homesteading is that lack of community because we're so kind of broken up around the country. And I think, you know, so many of our neighbors have, you know, <laughs> laugh at us, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. When they see what we're doing. Um, talk to us kind of like, how have you uh, tried to create community other than the, the conferences? Do you guys have any like online stuff that people can like join through as well? 
We do. So one of the things that's hard for people who homestead and farm is traveling. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to find people that can take care of your farm and homestead or it's expensive. I mean, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so if if somebody's coming to take care of your farm. And so one of the first things that we did that first year is we created a membership and in that membership, we have a couple of different tiers. So each one is a little bit different. You can actually watch all of the lectures that we record from each event. And so you can actually go back to the very first year and watch lectures from the very first year of these speakers that are teaching you. And so it, there's literally thousands of hours of video content, um, eBooks, PDFs, um, homestead management tools like planner and, um, you know, livestock records and all kinds of things with this membership that you can get access to because the reality is that most I would say most people can't travel it's Uh very expensive to travel and so um, we're we were able to put that together so people could really utilize that as the go-to homestead library where there's probably just about every topic you could ever imagine on there um So we're in the process of kind of organizing it a little bit better right now. Uh, And then we also have the podcast. We have an Mm -hmm. HOA podcast. We put out one to two podcasts new every month. And there's Mm -hmm. topics from, you know, homesteading to herbalism to motherhood to um, soil health and dairy cows. It's just there's so many topics on there. And we're expanding that this year, too. So there's a lot of different options through the HOA website that people can find and utilize, whether they can come to conference or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And when did you guys start the podcast? So we we started it maybe three three years ago, but okay. we've really started honing in on it last year. So 2023 was the really like the relaunch year for us. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because I was just looking at that page on your website. You've had some, um, we've had Jill Winger on. We've obviously had Joel on. We've had John on. Um, yeah, there's some other folks here, which is good to see as well. So yeah, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about some of the your homestead because you have some courses as well as well as some books out there. Talk to us a little bit about kind of like what you've done personally. Yeah. So um, one of my passions is herbalism, since that's what we first got into homesteading with with, was herbalism. Mm -hmm. And what I realized when studying herbalism was that there's not a lot of great information out there when it comes to herbalism. And it was almost like people wanted to kind of hold that information captive or there was some like really weird woohoo stuff with Mm -hmm. it that, you know, we just don't want to, we just want to learn about herbs, right? Like I don't need to know about the, you know, spiritual essences of those things. And so, um, and so I had a lot of people asking me to write a book and that's what I did. So I wrote an herbalism book with Lions Press. And then about a year later, I wrote a chicken book, a natural chicken keeping book, because a lot of people were getting backyard chickens. Mm Mm-hmm. They were getting sick or they were getting lice. They didn't know how to treat them naturally. And so I wrote an entire book about that as well. So those are the two books that I've written. Uh, I would like to write another one, but I just haven't gotten into that yet. Um, The herb book is really beginner. uh, And a lot of people have learned so much from that. But to go along with those, I have a membership on my Substack and I post new herbalism content on there that people can learn in-depth herbal profiles where you learn about each individual herb and how to use it and what the dosage and safety information is. So there's just a lot of stuff on there that you can find, um, including I have a virus course that I put together on there because people ultimately... If you don't know how your body works, then you won't know how to use herbs. And so it's kind of liberating when people 
they have that aha moment. Like I had no idea that my body actually knew what it was supposed to do. And I've just kind of been thwarting that. And so um, there's a couple of options on there for that herbalism and membership and blogs and all of those things. And then the books and, um, you know, on our homestead locally, we, we've done some classes and we have um, people locally that we network with and it's just been really fun to, you know, we do all the farm stuff here too. Like yeah. we have a herd share um, ownership, we sell eggs, we do, you know, we sell our extra produce, we do all of the homestead things that we talk about and we're able to teach others about. Yeah, absolutely. So then talk to us through them. Uh, what's your favorite herb? Oh, that's a hard question. That's like totally unfair, <laughs> right? Um, mm, I don't really, I don't know. That's hard. I like, okay, so I will give you my go-to tea. Like it's my go-to tea because it helps all kinds of things. Um, it's chamomile, lemon balm, and peppermint. And it's a great antimicrobial, it's anti-inflammatory, and it just tastes good. Like a, a lot of herbal teas don't taste good. So those are kind of my go-to. If I had to choose like a favorite herb, I really like um, I really like milky oat tops. We saw mm-hmm. that a lot during uh, the pandemic. Um, and that's really actually during the pandemic, the herbalism side of this blew up for me because there was so much misinformation out there about health in general. And so I was doing like daily live streams at one point to combat the misinformation that was out there. And at the time I was actually repping um, like a network marketing company uh, for some essential oils, which we don't Mm -hmm. use that much anymore. And so I never mentioned essential oils, like not one time did I mention them. But because I repped them, I actually got a letter from the FDA like saying, we're going to shut you down if you don't stop talking about this and so you know of course everybody who knows me is like well let's go full speed ahead you know let's just keep going and so you know that's when herbalism really took off for me and teaching people like there is a better way you can do this you can support your family naturally without going to the doctor so they were so let's break stop stop there because that's always very interesting when you get one of those letters um Mm. because i've had multiple friends that have gotten that too they were going after you because you were just talking about the health benefits of herbs or you were selling I I was I wasn't really even doing that. I was just straight up talking about misinformation on the pandemic and health and um, I was talking about like herbalism, like herbs that can yeah. help you, but I was never I was never talking about anything else. I wasn't talking about essential oils. I wasn't yeah. talking about um, you know any kind of product that you can buy online that could get misconstrued. None of that. Yeah. Um, they just you giving they them just product simply right. They just simply didn't even like what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, hmm. control. Um, oh yeah. So all right. So then you just kept going and. Um, so is that when started you started putting stuff behind like a paywall with with a Substack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we kind of started that. The Substack actually started last year, but that's when mm-hmm. I realized I need a place where that's safe. You know, I was yeah. still I was able to put a little bit of information out there um, because ultimately I I didn't want to disappear because people were getting good information Correct. from me mm-hmm. and I needed a place where people could continue getting that information. So we moved it to a, an online course platform. And then last year I moved it from, I was actually getting censored on that course platform over the last couple of years. Um, videos would disappear and just all kinds of things. And so we moved it to Substack. Hopefully 
that yeah. will be better. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it's better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything that was really in depth or where I could just talk freely and say certain words without triggering the algorithm yeah. um, is behind that paywall. So an online course platform that you were, were you paying for just decide to start randomly just yeah. basically messing with your, with your, what you're doing? Right. Yeah. It's stuff would disappear. I would get students saying, listen, it was there before. It's not here now. I asked them about it. They were like, well, we're not really sure, you know, what's wrong. And it, it happened so frequently that mm -hmm. I realized this isn't just an issue with the upload. Like that first they started trying to, to blame it on the upload. Well, I, I did it to their standard and it would still disappear. And so I went into their um, policies and it actually says in their policies that they can delete and cancel anything they want to without ever telling you. And so I realized, okay, that's probably what's happening. Yeah. Because it went from, you know, videos disappearing to then whole lessons disappearing. And Correct. at that point, it was just too much work for me to keep up with. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's that's frustrating. New to gardening or homesteading and dreaming of growing your own fruits? We make it easy with fresh elderberry cuttings available for pre-order now. With proven, easy-to-grow varieties like Adams or Ranch to more exotic varieties such as Pocahontas or Wildwood, you can easily start your own elderberry patch. No matter your skill level, these elderberries will thrive on your land. Head over to growelderberry.com to sign up for our free workshop on how to thrive with elderberries or shop cuttings. Go to growelderberry.com. So let's let's talk about beginning homesteader because this is something that you've you've talked to thousands of homesteaders. You've you know had so many folks come to your conferences as well as speakers that you've worked with. What advice would you give for the beginning homesteader who's you know because we actually actually right now have one of our team members who is literally in the process of selling their house and they want to move to Missouri and just start homesteading. Yeah. Um, so honestly, you'll get mixed. Uh, it depends on the person, I guess, and, and what their experience level is and, and what their financial structure is. But I will say that um, you just have to do it. Like none of us are, mm -hmm. most of us, not none of us, but most of us are not prone to knowing how to do these things. Um, most mm -hmm. of us are learning. If you're going to start a garden, guess what? It's going to fail the first three years that you plant that garden. And then you're going to realize, okay, what am I doing wrong? Let me learn about this more. And a lot of that, yeah, you can learn that online. You can learn that by going to a conference and reading a book. But the best experience is just doing it and being finely in tune with what you're doing. Like we... I grew up around cows, um, but I really didn't learn that much about cows until we had cows of our own. And I'm still learning about cows. Like I still don't know everything there is to know about them. But what I've realized is when you, you are intimate with your garden or your cow or your chickens or whatever, you start noticing things that a normal person wouldn't notice. And so I just tell people to embrace that. You're going to go into this and you're going to fail. It's just inevitable, whether you're experienced or not. I mean, there's people I know that have been doing this for 30 years and they still have things that fail. Yeah. But giving yourself just grace in that and just doing it. Don't get yourself into a financial issue, but just go into it. I mean, you're going to you're going to hear a lot of people that tell you don't jump in all at once. And I agree with that. I agree with setting up your structure and your infrastructure, but at the same time, there's never going to be a good time to jump into anything. And so I just say go with, with your gut and um, just have fun with it. Just, you know, have grace and have fun with it. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, what would you say to someone who's buying land? Do you have tips for someone who's buying their first piece of land? So um, I would say really pay attention to what the land has on it. So a lot of people will find cheap land and they won't really look at it very well. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, this is really cheap. Let me buy it. And that's fine. It can be developed. But a lot of that land has swampy areas on it or it's just straight up rock. And, you know, if you're buying a wooded property, you have to consider all the clean out that you have to do with that, which is fine. I I know plenty of people that do that. Um, And we live on a partially wooded property. And so just taking into consideration those things, you know, one of the things that we really found important for us when we were looking for land was having a water source Mm. or having a nearby water source. Yes. Um, so that if we ever did lose electric or we ever did find ourselves in a situation where we needed access to water immediately and it couldn't come from our house, then we could easily get that water. Um, you know, so just considering those things on the property, um, and if you're building, I mean, that's another thing that you need to consider. Are you building on a swamp? Are you, you know, are you going to have to have a sump pump because your soil doesn't drain? Um, those are all a lot of options. Um, there's actually somebody who emailed me recently who wrote a book uh, about buying land as a homesteader. I haven't read it yet, but there are those resources mm. out there that yeah. you can kind of search for and find a lot of information. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so, so someone who's building their house on their property, have you found that a lot of the folks that are coming to you have found certain states are better for moving in for homesteading than others? No. And so that's a question that we always get. A, a lot of people will ask us, what's the best state to move to, mm. to homestead in? And over the last few years, apparently everyone thinks that's Tennessee. And uh, yes, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> My belief is that um, that's going to (laughs) backfire majorly. And, um, you know, so the reality is that laws and leaders change Mm, so so much. Virginia is one of those prime examples. I mean, Virginia was a Republican conservative state for decades before suddenly we had a very liberal democratic governor who who put the smack down on a lot of things a lot of freedoms here um and of course now we're back to being conservative again kind of i say that kind of but um you know and so laws change a lot freedoms change a lot and so it doesn't really matter what the politics are in a state it really matters on you know, what is the state like? Is it, are you moving to Arizona where there's like no water and, you know, you're really going to have to work it this hard? Of course not. I mean, there's homesteaders there that are doing it, but, you know, consider your, your Eastern states or, um, your states that are really green, that have really good quality soil, um, to an extent and that have four seasons. I mean, those things are, are the things to really look for, and what is the community like around you? Are you moving t- into an urban area where nobody homesteads? I mean, you really just have to to go and figure out what's there. But I really don't believe any state is better than any other state to homestead in, in regards to freedoms and politics. It's just eventually we're all going to be rogue and we're all going to grow food and drink raw milk and the government's going to hate it. And that's just how it's going to be. Yes, but maybe we should pick a state that we all move to that we can all be rogue together. (laughs) You know what I find is like whether somebody homesteads or not, um, 
you're th- from there you're still going to have discrepancies and disagreements within mm-hmm. this community like you you have such a broad range of homesteaders you have homesteaders who are like 100% completely all natural and then you mm-hmm. do have more conventional homesteaders who are like throw chemicals at everything you know they're more um conventional farming minded and so you know it the homestead label doesn't matter it's it's just finding like-minded people that really makes yeah. a difference and it seems like you your companies have navigated that rather well and not gone down one rabbit hole or another just tried to be like hey we're providing you know info on how to do this and we're trying not to get caught up in the whole uh i guess topic of the day as it were Right. Yeah. I mean, we try to diversify our topics because, you know, not everyone wants a cow. Not everyone wants a, Uh you know, 1200 square foot garden. Not everybody wants those things. In fact, most people are living on small acreage or or urban homesteading. And so, um, you know, last year was the first year that we actually brought in a politician. We brought in Nick Freitas. And Uh the reason for that is one, he's local here to Virginia. Two, he's been very um, instrumental in like raw herd share laws. And three, he kept it very neutral. Like his talk, he, yeah. like he knew what he was getting into. He straight up just talked about facts. It didn't matter whether he was a Republican or, or a Democrat. And that's why I brought him on just because from knowing him and knowing he would keep it neutral and just talk about the facts of laws and homesteading and farming and why they're important. And so we got a little bit of kickback on the fact that we had a politician there. But yeah. the reality is that you know, if I had chosen anyone else, it may have gone downhill really fast and gotten into political arguments. And, and really, yeah. homesteaders are mostly on the same page. It's not Democrat, Republican. It's where's our food and health freedom? Let's talk about that, no matter who's talking about it. Yeah, that was something actually I was talking to my wife about last night is so many people want to do this, but a lot of times they've made choices or Unfortunately, it's happened to them where they just don't have the possibility to get into this sum of freedom. It's like just the the big one of debt for so many mm-hmm. people. So many people are, you know, they have a student debt or they have home debt and they just can't, you know, opt out of the system. So that means they have to have the, the regular nine to five job, which right. means that they can't move someplace. They can't find that nine to five job. Yeah. You know, one of the things, like I said, when we first started, we were in a lot of debt. We had car debt, loan debt. Um, we, we owned our own house. We had just bought our own house the year before. And of course, so that was scary, you know, when the recession hit and, um, we, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but we went without a lot of stuff to pay off that debt. Um, you know, since I was staying home most of the time, I didn't have a cell phone. We didn't have Netflix. We didn't have, you know, Comcast. We had the slowest internet we could find that, yeah. you know, that we could get by with to use. Um, we watched DVDs. We, you know, we didn't have a home phone. We just had a cell phone for my husband's cell phone if he needed it. And um, we lived very, very minimally so that all of the money that was coming in um, went to paying off debt. And then when I realized that, you know, I could work my nine to five job that I had, and then I could come home, make dinner, take care of my kids, put them to bed. And then for another five hours, I was working. I found jobs that I could do from home that, you know, I started a photography business. I, um, I started, you know, teaching other people how to do various things. And I worked until I was so tired, but all of that 
it added up really fast so that we could pay down that debt and get to where we are now. And so, you know, the homesteader way is to work. It's just to work. And sometimes we have a couple years where we have to work to pay down that debt to get to where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That whole live like no one else so you can live like no one else aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because like my wife and I, we reevaluate a lot of our ongoing expenses and we just found a cell phone plan. We were paying like 80 bucks a month for the two lines, which isn't bad. But then we realized, oh my gosh, there's this new company because we are always home all the time. We can cut our data to like two gigabytes. And now I think we're only paying like 30 bucks or 35 bucks yeah. a month. Yeah. So there are those things, and I, I, yes, I mean, we borrow Netflix from one of our family members. So yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do, um, and we do not drive new cars. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I have never know, we, bought a new car. <laughs> we just did, okay? So we, for the first time, and yeah. we've been married almost 18 years, and, um, you know, because we finally got out of debt, and now our money mm-hmm. was just going towards business, we realized we needed more expenses, which is the opposite uh-huh. side, right? Like it's the, Correct. You know, we don't, yes. we don't want to give our money to the government. So what do we Correct. do with it? Right. <laughs> no, and so, don't. yeah, for the first time we, we just bought a new vehicle last year and I'm just like, Oh, this feels weird. Like, yeah. I don't like this very much. And my poor husband, he's like, I, I don't even want to use it because I, I'm going to get it dirty. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it's yes. like it's there's nothing fun about it. Like, there's nothing fun about a new vehicle because you're always scared something's going to happen. And But, you know, there's little things that add up, right? Like you were talking about borrowing Netflix and, and switching your provider and all of that. And those things add up. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize – you know, I know people who pay like 200 bucks a month for their cell phone service and uh-huh. you can get like a burner phone service and pay like 30 bucks a month, you know? And Correct. so there's stuff like that, that you can change and get out of contracts and save so much money. Well, we just, for the other business, um, we have a line now for the store and that line costs us 70, $72 a year. But it doesn't have any data because, again, it's a, it stays in the store. Right. It has Wi-Fi in there. And all they need to do is be able to have pro, um, phone, phone come in. But, yeah, and I think that's the thing is, like, my wife and I, when we filed our taxes this year, <laughs> we immediately got a letter from the government saying, hey, did you guys know you were eligible for, what is it, Medicaid for the kids mm-hmm. or Medicare for the kids? Um, because, again, we've, you know, we invest a lot into our businesses and we live very frugally and a business can pay for a lot of our expenses too. And I think that's something that we really push because we work with farmers in our trainings is that, look, when you start up, set up a business and set up it properly, there is so much that you can expense. You can literally double your income overnight. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Your suggested income, what it would look like you were living off of. Because again, your vehicles can be written off. Your phones can be written off. Your Much of your house can be written off. You have to be careful on that one. But I mean, like our house, our, our kitchen is where we run our sourdough glasses. Our basement is where we store a lot of our um, long-term storage and our fire ciders. Right. Um, we have an office in the house. So there's just so many different expenses that, you know, now come off your what you're paying. And... You know, I, I, if you look at, again, this goes back to the freedom. If you look at what the government's spending our money on, there's so much of it that I don't agree with. So why right. would I want to give them all this? Um, exactly. <laughs> I did see an article the other day about these. There's some billionaires out there that say, yeah, you should raise the tax rate. And I was like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're onto that, you're more than happy to write them a check. Go for <laughs> right. it. <laughs> right. You just do it. <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah. I mean, the a lot of people are afraid of self-employment, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they have an... 
a false sense of security when they work for an employer. And yet it truly is a false sense of security because I can't tell you how many people I know who have been laid off over the last 10 years. Correct. And suddenly they have no job at all. They don't even have a backup plan. And so, yeah, the first couple years might be a little touch and go there, but you know, you're right. You can write off so much. I remember um, a friend telling me like pre-tax money is is golden because uh-huh. you start realizing like at first you feel guilty for it. Like, oh my gosh, I just expensed that. But then you realize, you went, no, I use, you know, all of this stuff for my business. I use my house for my business. The office I'm sitting in is used for my business. You know, those Mm -hmm. cups I bought with my logo on it, those are for my business. You know, clothing that has, there's so many things, chicken feed even. I mean, when I was writing my chicken book, you know, and just the fact that we're a farm, there's so much stuff that you can write off and have your farm business pay for your farm. And, you know, at the end of the year, you're not paying $10,000, $20,000 to the government. You're paying maybe a thousand bucks and that's way better. So, you know, it's, it's really, that's one of the reasons we're doing the business class um, mm. this year. We've done it before and it was the most popular event that really? we did. Yeah. That's because awesome. yeah. I mean, you know, people just don't understand. And these are things that people really need to know about. Like that's the American dream, right? To, to work and have your own work and make your own money. And yet most of us, I mean, myself included when I first started had no idea, no idea yeah. that we could keep our money. Yeah, we just actually started a new project and part of it was they wanted me to write a 10 module, basically, I think it's gonna keep it about three hours of like the 10 steps to setting up your first business. You know, we talked through the LLC, is it LLC or is it sole proprietorship or is it, should you start a, you know, a, a private membership association, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but I think that's so important. I think that it doesn't have to be cold turkey either, is that a right. lot of times that you can do a some side hustle on the side um, if you're working 40 hours a week, um, you know, start start something uh, because right. there is, I think that is an f- easy way for you to start working your way out of debt too, if that is your biggest thing tying you to there um, because now you can start expensing things there, which means you have more free cash coming back in to start paying down that debt. Yep, absolutely. Because um, I think a lot of people don't realize is that the nine to five job is a major way of enslaving the populace. Yeah. Um, and back to what you said is that it can be gone in an instant. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, talk to us. What's coming up for Homestead of America? What's what's uh, what's your you know couple of your plan? What's com- what's new? Yeah. So we you know I mentioned those events that we're doing this year: the business uh-huh. event, women's event, and then our October event. We're almost sold out of the October tickets, um, and those have been on sale since the first week of January. And so normally we have around six thousand people that come, and so I imagine that'll probably be sold out by the end of the month or beginning of February. And so from there, um, we we're trying to expand our online learning, uh-huh. and so having some uh, master classes on there. We recorded, uh, so at conference in October every year, uh, we do Thursday in-person hands-on workshops. And so we actually recorded two of those uh, this past year. And um, one is like an in-depth look at how to naturally treat ruminants at home. So Uh your cows and sheep and goats. And um, and that's probably like a six-hour long class that people can go in and watch that that in-depth um, hands-on class. And then the other one is from Sean and Beth Doherty. Um, they're some of our most popular speakers. 
and they basically teach you know how do how do you make your farm sustainable how do you feed your farm from the farm how do you how do you do all this um and so that's another class that we recorded that's going up so we're putting a lot of a lot more time into those things this year because of the economy, you know, and, and because of whatever's coming down that stream that we can kind of all see barreling towards us, right? Um, yeah. And so there there could be a time where more people can't travel or, um, you know, maybe we can't have the event anymore. Uh, you know, there's just various options of what could happen. And so we're really trying to create a resource online this year where, you know, if the stuff really hits the fan, then people can have a resource to learn the things that they can't come to the event and learn. So that's what we're working on now. Very cool. Yeah, we all can see that there is something coming down. The, I mean, consumer debt is at its highest ever, I think, in the U.S. right now. And that's there's going to be a reckoning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what is your favorite homesteading tool? Like like a garden tool? Or well, like outside a, tool, tool yeah. to use. Probably, uh, can, can the tractor be a tool? <laughs> the tractor yes, makes yes. our life easier. <laughs> I remember when we got the What kind the of tractor, tractor do you have? Yeah, we have a Kubota. It's just a, a smaller okay. one. But um, I have no idea, like, the numbers and all of that stuff. My husband would be that guy. But that's made our yeah. life a lot easier, even on a small homestead, just hauling things and wood chips and hay and, mm-hmm. and all of that. That's probably um, – we were really excited when we were able to make that that purchase. And, again, a write-off that pays for itself. Um, surpassing that, I had this, this little um, Japanese garden hoe that I really enjoy. It's just a little handheld one. It makes weeding beds and stuff so much easier. I remember um, my husband brought it home from an estate that he was cleaning out one day and sharpened it up. And I'm like, why have I never seen this before? Like, mm. this was a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and I've looked online to try to find the same the same thing, and they just don't exist anymore. And yeah. so that's been probably one of my favorite things. Very cool. There's a company, I think, in Tennessee that actually, like, hand forges stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. I wonder if you're able to send pictures and stuff, they might be able to start manufacturing. Maybe that's again. a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks for being willing to come on. Yeah. Thanks for, for having me. All right. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.